Hello listeners and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. My name is Jason and I shall be your host as we leave 2020 behind us and travel back to 1990. A time where there was no troubles, just excellent movies. To join us on our travels are these lovely chaps, Rich and Chris. How are you both? Uh, Jason, I'm alright, thank you very much. Awesome. Hello guys, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. And how's your week's been alright? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, other than working, just trying to get an Xbox Series X. Um, <laughs> and that's probably about it, really. It's been my one and only priority for the week. Uh, so it, it, it's going okay so far. Okay, awesome. And Chris, your week's been alright? Just been, yeah, just decorating a room. I'm sitting in amongst, you know, dust sheets and stuff at the moment in one of the spare rooms. Mm, sounds sounds but, um, lovely. Yeah, the uh, usual boring things of grown-up life, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> hey, that's why we do this podcast, to escape all that and go back yeah. to our childhoods. Exactly. Um, okay, so uh, the big question, I guess, before we crack on is, uh, what's in the glass tonight, Rich? Ooh, I'm having, from uh, it's from Armandson Brewery, it's a barrel-aged dessert in a can, and that is a salted caramel chocolate chip cookie stout. <laughs> <laughs> that's that brilliant <laughs> and does it actually taste what it's supposed to do be oh, it tastes beautiful uh, it tastes like chocolate sauce and it's 11 and a half percent wow okay well that's uh that's rich rich gonna be happy tonight then i'm very happy <laughs> yep uh, uh chris are we drinking coffee again this week i've got my usual strong coffee sitting on the side of it's a boring beautiful well I'm just drinking blackcurrant squash, so you know I can't say anything. <laughs> I know, is this Rabina or is this Robinsons or? Uh, this is like Tesco's, you know, no added sugar. Um, Ooh, you know, brim. Yeah, big time. You're yeah. looking at you know Richard wouldn't barely even dilute the squash when he used to make it. <laughs> Rabina showed the bowl, mate. It's oh, nice, Christ, mate. What is that? Just <laughs> not too kind either. Not too kind. Sod that. Just <laughs> stick a straw in it and off we go. Indeed. indeed. Nice. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So um, how does What's Wrong With Wolfie work? Well, we spend three to four episodes for each year of the 90s, and each episode will be based on films, TV, music, video games, and fads of the year. Today, we're talking about the feature films of 1990, and we have all brought a film choice each to discuss. But first... Let's have a look at the Oscar winner, shall we, of this year? Any ideas? Um, oh, what, best picture? Where are we starting? Well, let's have a look at the best supporting actor for this year, 1990. Um, let, me, let me give you the nominations. So we have um, Denzel Washington in uh, Glory, Dan Aykroyd for Driving Miss Daisy, Marlon Brando for A Dry White Season, Martin Lando for... Crimes and Misdemeanors, or Danny Aiello for Do the Right Thing? Um, ooh, I definitely, that's, I'm going to rule out Aykroyd, cool, definitely. What, why are you ruling out Dan Aykroyd? I don't ever remember hearing Dan Aykroyd, Oscar winner, but okay. <laughs> well, Oscar winner I might Dan be Aykroyd <laughs> appears in Casper. <laughs> Hey, come on, he should have got the Oscar does, for does, that role. Um, yeah, does it, what with his porn star Tash do with sporting as well? <laughs> it's like the uh, Bizarro um, race dance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the evil race dance. Mirror, 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 mirror Universe Ray. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, get sidetracked now. That's the Mirror Universe um, where Winston doesn't have a moustache. 
Oh, I really want to see it. I really and he actually, appears, yeah. he actually appears in most of the films. Well. I really um, want to see this ooh. parallel universe Ghostbusters now. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to say, I, th- I reckon it's going to be Brando. Okay. Chris, you got a guess? Um, I don't really know, actually, because it's like, when did Brando got, die? Was it like early, mid-90s, wasn't it? Mm, I think it was later, a little bit later than that, I think. I'm trying to think, would, would he have got that honorary Oscar? You know what they normally do, don't you? Like, well, yeah. When did The Island of Doctor and Moreau come out? That's the last film I remember him being in, slash ruining. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. <coughs> um, I don't know, top of my head, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just going to go with Brando, but yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm inclined to say that due to the sheer star power, but then you could have a complete wild card and someone like, you know, was it like, was it Marissa Tomei who won Best Supporting Actress from My Cousin Vinny? She really? No way. Yeah. Like, she beat out some proper, like, Hollywood, like, royalty as well, and she'd only done, like, two or three things before. Good on her. But, um, I'm not sure. I'm actually stumped on that one. Well, guess. Martin Lando. Uh, yeah. You, I, was, I want to get you to repeat the last one again, because, uh... Uh, Danny Aiello. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> what it is. I don't know who that is. No idea. No. No, no. I'm probably either. completely, like, uh not saying it correctly but you know I've already warned them on the pilot you know I'm terrible at all this kind of stuff so why am I hosting a podcast I never know but there we go Danny if you're listening we're sorry I know right just get a speaking spell app and just type in all the letters and see what it comes out as <laughs> well well they <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another subject entirely isn't it, that one? brilliant well there's some bonus content right there there you go well apparently we're not going to get a, a guess out of uh, Chris so or did you? Or did Chris? you agree with Martin Lando? I might, I might go for Martin Lando and yeah? see what happens. Okay. Well, it's Denzel Washington. Damn it! Oh. Damn it, Denzel. You're both crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Best supporting actress: uh, Julia Roberts for Steel Magnolia, Diane West for Parenthood, Brenda Fricker for My Left Foot, Angelica Houston for um, Enemies: A Love Story, or Lena. Olin for Enemies, A Love Story. Um, uh, so what was the first one again? Uh, Julia Roberts for Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah, yeah I want to go with Julia, mm-hmm. I reckon. I've got Chris? a feeling it was her. Okay, Chris? As you've gone for Julia, I might go for Brenda Fricker. Okay. Yeah, national treasure who moved to the US and became the wild bird woman in Home Alone 2. <laughs> was that her? No way. I was literally about that to say, who was that? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Holy shit. She was in Casualty, wasn't she? And then she met a yes. Hollywood producer and then she, you know. That's how she got into States. Home Alone 2. Yeah. Oh, I always she, wondered that. I can't remember the story. She met a producer or a writer, or I think it was wow. a screenwriter. And then she left, like, Casualty and literally left her life in the UK behind and married him and moved to the States. And no way, been, it's amazing. Yeah, that's how she got out there. Why? I know so much pointless stuff that would only come up on a podcast. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, next thing you know, she's in Home Alone. Wow. Yeah, I always wondered the journey from Casualty to Home Alone too. I always thought, yeah. thought the Bird Lady would be a good like side character in Casualty. You know, like you get the accident <laughs> at the start of an episode, she could kind of be like one of the, the, the bit players in it. Well, be perfect. Yeah, well, Chris, you were correct. It was. Whoa. <laughs> Damn it. She won an Oscar. Holy shit. She wow. did. She won an Oscar. Okay, nice. cool. Uh, so, best actor 
We have Kenneth Branagh for Henry V. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. Tom Cruise for Born on the 4th of July. Morgan Freeman for Driving Miss Daisy. Or Robin Williams for Dead Poet Society. Mm, I'm going to say... I'm saying Morgan I'm think- Freeman. I'm thinking Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I'm sure mm. Driving Miss Daisy pulled in a few Oscars, but I'm unsure which Oscars it pulled in. Mm. Why... why- um, what what why why did you go straight for Daniel Day Lewis, Rich? I don't know, honestly, I couldn't give you a proper answer for that. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Because he, he collects Oscars anyway. Okay. Yeah, and he's just you know he's so hardcore an actor, you know, he gets uh-huh. into every role and just sure. completely immerses himself. And he surely he must have got an Oscar for that at some point. And I can't think of any other film that he would no, have got one. I think the first Oscar he won was for Lincoln. Really? Okay. I might be wrong. Anyway, Chris, have you got a guess? Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you did say that, didn't you? Um, well, Rich, this time you were right, mate. It was Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh. Why did I think his first Oscar was for Lincoln? Why the hell did I think that? Never mind. <laughs> and you call yourself a, a stato of film and TV. You know? Stato. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that a fancy that football league reference? Hey, wow. Uh, well, nice pick up there, Rich. Well done. Yeah, well, best actress we had Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy, yeah, Pauline, Pauline Collins for Shirley Valentine, Jessica Lang for Music Box, Michelle Pfeiffer for The Fabulous Baker Boys, or Isabel Adjani for Camille Claudel. Never heard of that one. It's a new one for me. Um, I'm going to go for Tandy. Okay. Chris? Do you repeat those again? Um, you're just doing this just to wind me up. No, no, I just... <laughs> I had a complete... Like, you know, your brain just stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens quite a lot during the day, to be honest. Yeah. Um, just ask the wife. The okay. brain was just like, what? <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do the hard one first, just to get out of the way. Um, Isabel Adjani for Camille Claudel. Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy, Pauline Collins for Shirley Valentine, Jessica Lang for Music Box, or Michelle Pfeiffer for The Fabulous Baker Boys? I'm going to go for Jessica Lang just because of the star power. I could be wrong. Battle of the Jessicas. Yep, well, Rich wins this one again with Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy. Well done, Rich. Okay, so on to the big two ones, Best Director. We've got Woody Allen for Crimes and Misdemeanors, Oliver Stone for Born on the 4th of July, Peter Weir for Dead Poet Society, Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, and Jim Sherendon for My Left Foot. Hmm. I'm thinking... I'm going for Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot, I reckon. I was thinking that as well, I won't lie. Or it could um, go a very, very apt film title for a um, Woody Allen movie, yeah. couldn't it? I would put my left foot on it. But you <laughs> oh, nice. God. <laughs> 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 Sorry. No. And, <laughs> and the whole world groaned at the same time. Yeah, I'm reckon Jim Sheridan. Yep, okay. Chris? Yeah, Jim Sheridan. You're both going for Jim. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim has let you down because it was Oliver Stone. Oh. Oh. Damn, bye bye, foot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh. I was going to put it in a jar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just so you can look at it and um, just ponder on the happy days of having two feet. <laughs> so you can make a sequel now. <laughs> yeah. My two feet. There you go. Two left feet. Brilliant. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect on the two left feet. Ow. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes, and the best picture for this year, uh, the nominations were Born on the 4th of July, Driving Miss Daisy, Dead Poet Society, My Left Foot, or Field of Dreams. Oh, man. I'm I thinking My Field Left Foot. <laughs> I don't know what makes you want to say Field of Dreams. Maybe the James Earl Jones ghost appearing to me, but that's... Was he the ghost in that? That was a really random meta reference, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no way. Ray Liotta is shoot, just Shoeless Joe. My mum used to watch it a lot. It's ingrained in my head. But, I'm yeah, thinking my left foot. I want to say Field of Dreams for some reason. Go with your gut, Rich. Go with your gut. Yep. My left foot. Okay. Uh, Chris, you're going with uh, Field of Dreams, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, again, you're both wrong. He was driving Miss Daisy. Oh. Never seen it. <laughs> Not missing much. <laughs> No, okay. I haven't seen it either. I've seen the Quantum Leap rip-off episode. But of course. That's probably pretty, a better version. It's pretty much identical <laughs> in every single way. <laughs> Excellent. So we've got a taste of what was going on in the Oscars of 1990. Um, but the top UK box office movies for this year. Um, any of you got an inkling what might be number one? Um, I am... Um Going to say, I want to say Home Alone. I don't think it would be. Mm-hmm. Okay. What for box office earnings? For, yeah. for top number one. I reckon it's going to be something obscure. I don't know. Um, What's obscure? Memphis Bell. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> ghost. A ghost. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what's on the what's on this. Um, Rocky Rocky Five. <laughs> yeah, there's a spaceballs joke in there somewhere. Okay, <laughs> coming up next, Rocky Five. Right, well, <laughs> let me run down the uh, the top ten, and then let uh, me know if you come up with anything before we get to number one. Um, okay, sounds good. Uh, number ten was uh, Die Hard Two, uh, which mm. earned six point five million. Nice. Number nine was Gremlins Two, uh, which earned seven point four. Number eight was Total Recall with seven point eight million. Number seven was A Little Mermaid. I don't know why I said A Little Mermaid when it was The Little Mermaid. Anyway, <laughs> 7.9 7. million. Uh, six was Back to the Future Part 3, uh, which earned uh, 8.1 million pounds. Number five was Days of Thunder. Uh, number four was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, three was Look Who's Talking. I used to love that film. It was amazing. Two was Pretty Woman. Which earned twelve point one five seven million pounds. So there's one film I haven't said Ooh. from nineteen ninety. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's not Robocop two or anything like that. <laughs> no. Can't be Dick Tracy. I, I doubt mean, it. That would be amazing. No, Dick Tracy came in at number eleven, uh, and Home Alone <laughs> came. Home Alone came in at number fourteen. Uh, three men, the little lady, maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't that, that be amazing? Yeah. Yeah, no, it I wasn't mean, that either. 
it's no baby, but it's still no. a decent film. And it has Britain in it as well. So. Sure. Um, yeah, um, good point. No, this film starred Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore. Okay. Ghost. Oh, Ghost. Yes. And Patrick Swayze. <laughs> what were you going to say, Rich? Sister Act. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Demi Moore being in that. That's all right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, so considering Pretty Woman took £12 million, uh, Ghost took £23 Jesus. million. Pounds, and it was a massive hit in this mm. year. Mm. Absolute massive. I mean, I remember seeing the film um, and just thought, oh my God, this is so bleh. So much, <laughs> you know what I mean? The yeah. the, the whole With scene you. where they're like in, on the pottery wheel and like, yeah, come on. I need some guns or something, please. I don't want. <laughs> what is yeah. Wasn't that how he? Wasn't that how he died? Oh, oh! Was he shot? I can't. Probably. I, it's oh, been wait. so long since I've seen it now. Yeah, my mum inflicted it upon me and my brother when we were kids. Ghost. It's like just one fun- of the things that was always she was always occasionally watching. Yeah, it's just funny though. I like, want to look back. This film is just not one of those films that I ever have an, an urge to sit down and watch. So. No, me neither. See, that film needed a Dan Aykroyd cameo. (laughs) Every film needs a Dan Aykroyd. With the Tash. With the Tash. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Got a continuity, damn it. Got a continuity. Yes, that expanded universe. (laughs) I'm sure there's a YouTube edit where the Ghostbusters come in and just zap Patrick Swayze. Pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Actually... You could couple it up with a scene when they're, you know, digging down in Fifth Avenue and they lower Ray down into the slime and then they've got the, uh, <laughs> the scene on the train. <laughs> oh, that's running away from me now. It's going to keep me awake for night days. You <laughs> <laughs> would replace the mood slime with pottery clay hands grabbing at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, don't really know what to say after that. No. <laughs> I'm uh, writing this down. Who's <laughs> it? Is it? God, clay. Yeah, it was dissolved. Okay, yeah. Let's move on. Uh, anyway. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm assuming that um, your film choices were not mentioned in this uh, top ten. No. No, exactly. I'm very surprised. Um, So what we're doing in this episode, uh, and probably what we'll do from moving onwards, really, we've all chosen a film each from this year, and then we're just going to bring it to the table, just have a little discussion about it between each other, and then the the next guy will uh, bring out their film, and, yeah, we'll just just go around the table, really. So I know how much Rich is so eager to talk about his film. (laughs) That I'm going to go to Chris first. Damn you! (laughs) (laughs) I won't drop the ball of your choice, so I won't do that. Um, Even though I'll talk at length with you about it again. Good. So please, Chris, uh, what film are you bringing to the table? Well, there was so much to choose from, and obviously you got Die Hard two stuff like that. But I, for some reason, gravitated towards Total Recall. Okay. Um, I had a funny feeling you was going to choose that, and I have no idea why. <laughs> it's an odd one, <laughs> but 
being a Paul Verhoeven movie, it it just it's got so much richness within it. Whether it be the production design and the the, the makeup, the early use of CGI, the you know, and the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually having such a blast filming it as well. Apart from the the DVD commentary, which is now famous. Oh God! <laughs> what was bad about that? Oh, instead of doing a commentary on, I can't remember what it was, wasn't it? Like it was just it was just talking about what's going on on the screen to himself, rather than actual commentary about what happened in this scene and how they got to this point. Basically, him going, "Ouch! Oh, that must have hurt." It's a bit random, but it's mm. it's all on YouTube, I think. Oh, okay. But with Total Recall, again, it's one of those things that we discussed earlier where. It's a super violent, like kind of dystopian future kind of film that we we're exposed to. At a, technically, an age too young, really, but um, it just it just hits all the beats. And obviously, the choices were chosen by you guys, so I had to choose kind of like the best thing I could think of. Um, but just watching it growing up, I just remember just watching it and just liking it, and just. I've always been fascinated with the planet Mars as well, so that's kind of thrown in there in the, with there as well. And yeah, I just think the whole cast is having just such an amazing <coughs> time uh, filming it. And obviously, yeah, it's, it's a bit dated now and stuff like that. But is it is it wrong with uh, that? The uh, most memorable scene for me from that film is the three-breasted lady. Yeah, it's become legendary, isn't it? It's like everyone always talks about that. And yeah. That, See, I mean, that, I was going to say about I was going to say about the old lady with the head opening up because my mind's not in the gutter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 on, on all of our minds. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, again, I was. Um, I, I don't think I, I saw this in the, the in this year. I mean, obviously, I, th- I think I must have been a bit older, but I was still in the teenage years, so mm. I think. Yeah. I mean, when that particular scene happened, you know, it just got embedded in my brain and yeah. it hasn't moved since. It's just one of those films that's just like, it's just enjoyable and it's just, mm. it's absurd when you think about it that Arnold Schwarzenegger's a, you know, this unlikely thing and I've got in my notes here actually as well, like, we had the 90s was that powerhouse of Stallone and Schwarzenegger movies Mm-hmm. which just kept coming like one every 18 months or so just kept churning them out and and they're just enjoyable and to this day still remain a guilty pleasure of mine and they pick me up somewhat as well like you just put a Stallone movie on like or a Schwarzenegger movie and you just sit and watch it and you haven't got to think about anything you just watch this absurd film happen around everyone else and until someone pointed out to me I can't remember what it was that Total Recall looks like it was filmed in an abandoned shopping mall and I can never unsee it now Okay, I've not it's, actually <laughs> thought of that, noticed that. Because it's, it's all filmed on sound stages and actually in like industrial areas and there's like no natural daylight apart from the opening like 20 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just fun. And obviously you've got, you know, the automated taxi, which is now kind of becoming real right now. now <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a bit of a off-the-wall choice. But I just think growing up with it, it's just kind of like cemented in your brain, isn't it? Like any of these films that we've all chosen mm-hmm. this, this year that I won't go into, we'll talk at length later. But And obviously an honourable mention to Back to Future Part 3 because that's that's the end, literally. And that was my kind of honorary mention I threw in there. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult, it's difficult to pinpoint with Total Recall. Like, And I've read the book as well. A few years ago, I actually bought the book and read it. And it's a fascinating read by Philip K. Dick. 
Um, I don't know if anyone's ever read the source material at all, have you? Mm-mm, no. I suppose that means like touching paper and stuff, didn't it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a fascinating read it's called uh, We Will Remember It For You Wholesale by Philip K. Dick. And I think I read it, it's been about three or four years ago. And it's just, it's an amazing read and it goes into so much more depth. And it's a shame that the film obviously has to take shortcuts and stuff like that. But the film, the book is just amazing. It's just it just hits so many beats it goes into so much more depth about the science behind it and the years and what they've got and stuff like that and it also delves deeper into the whole undercover agent also an undercover agent but within another undercover agent so it's just like a whole mind-blowing thing and it's just if you get to read it or download it it's read, listen to it as an audiobook hopefully not read by Arnold Schwarzenegger what about the um, the Colin Farrell remake have you, uh, have you I actually that? didn't mind that no, I've I not actually, watched it, I won't lie. But I actually didn't mind it. I, you know what? It actually follows the book pretty closely, much like Paul Verhoeven's movie. Just, it was a fairly decent, solid remake. Yes, it's one of those remakes that you decide, really, because Total Recall's kind of like cemented so much in the zeitgeist, isn't it? For mm-hmm. many reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took a bold move to remake it, and I actually really enjoyed it. So it's not too bad. Oh, cool. It's a bit of a, a wild card choice, that one. Kind of struggling to. I'm I'm trying to remember the uh, the plot to it. Actually, have you got a rough rough plot to it at all off the top of your head, Chris? Well, yeah. Uh, the the guy who's yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing Douglas Quaid. Okay. Uh, who is I think I can't remember if he's, is he a a grout like a builder or is a I think he's a mi- he's a miner in the book. Yeah. I think he's a minor in the film as well, if I remember I can't, right. I can't remember what they changed in the film. I know they changed his name from Quail to Quaid in the film. There are a few things they changed. And, um, yeah, he basically just gets bored of his daily life and then chooses to go to this place called Recall that implants a false memory. And so detailed, in fact, that you believe you've actually been to these places and experienced these things. And when he's under, you know, under anaesthetic or whatever it's called in the film, I can't really remember ironic isn't it <laughs> um, and they discovered he's actually an undercover agent who already already is undercover and all the memories stick, start coming back from his previous um, undercover mission and they try and scrap the um, implantation of the memory because it flags up a, you know basically a red alert basically saying this guy is uh, already an undercover agent and then he remembers who his previous self was and he uncovers a message from his previous self warning him, explaining what the situation is, and basically get your ass to Mars, which they used as a tagline. And then it all unfolds from there, and it finds out it just goes into these deeper, deeper rings of um, corruption and undercover agents and stuff. And, and um, basically, yeah, that's a rough idea of it. And then obviously, you've got the, the landmark special effects with <laughs> the, the latex masks and the robotics and the fantastic makeup. Um, the whole until, that whole scene with uh, with them trying to pull that and trying to pull the bug or whatever it was out of his nose. Oh, the tracker! Oh, oh was <laughs> just intense. Yeah, yeah it's just, just like so the swelling of the nose and the light coming sure. out. And sure, and the eyes bulging out. Yeah, well. exactly. It's like, oh. And it's just wow. You know, it, it's mm. <laughs> it made me squirm a little bit. Yeah, I can remember, but. Um, <laughs> But but thinking about it now, you know that the whole makeup for that must it was must have been quite in, very intricate, maybe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just I can't remember who did the makeup for the film actually. I want to say part of the Westmore family, 
might have been, and if any Star Trek fans listening, you'll recognise the name Westmore. who did most of it. Um, yeah, I don't know actually. Um, no, no idea. Cool. Um, Someone's researching. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Research, I just want to double check. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just an enjoyable movie, and I just have fond memories of watching it as a child, along with actually most of them on this list actually. Well, well, thanks for bringing that to the uh, to the table, if you like, Chris. Excellent choice. I'm going to move. I would move to Rich, but I just want to oh. s- let him squirm a little bit more, really, and um, <laughs> wait it out. That just uh, you know, because I just want to be evil. Sorry. And um, we're going to talk about my film choice now. Oh, okay. If you must. Um, so my choice is. Um, I was I was going to choose Honey I Shrunk the Kids. But I changed my mind at the last minute, and I want to talk about Home Alone. So, mm-hmm. okay, I have more fond memories of Home Alone. I think the only reason was because it's it's a Christmas movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I don't know for some reason I thought maybe we'd do a Christmas special, but um, maybe I thought I was getting a bit carried away with myself, <laughs> and thought, nah, I'm just going to bring it to the table now. Anyway, it's nearly Christmas, right? <laughs> so. You know, we, we can Pretty get much. away with it a little bit. So, Home Alone, if no one is familiar with Home Alone, then A, you need to go and check yourself and go and stream it now and watch it. But basically, a... How old is he? Eight? I'd say so, yeah. Something like that. A, a, a big family, they decided to go away for Christmas and they're in, you know, they, they all oversleep. They're running a ma- major rush to get to the airport because they're all going to Paris and um, in, in the rush, they forget their eight-year-old son and leave him home alone, hence the name. So then we, uh, we just watch him muck around because he realises this is excellent, so cool, being at home alone. I think it probably is, isn't it, really, for an eight-year-old? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How amazing is that? You could do what you want, eat what you want, and that's basically what he did, wasn't it? He, um, he had a right good old time. And then um, he had this weird next-door neighbour who he thought was some kind of serial killer. But he turned out to be quite a nice bloke, really, didn't he? Oh, he's lovely. Lovely guy. Yeah, lovely guy with, the, uh, with yeah, the shovel. exactly. Yeah. And then um, these, and then they had the two burglars, which was, which is, you know, everything leads up to that section of the film, doesn't it? And it's like, mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of just want to skip to it, don't you, now? Every time we sit down to watch it as a family, my kids are just like, oh, can we just get to the bit where they try and break into the house? please um because the rest of it it's just it, it's it's all right but it, it is a slightly boring because we just want to see the men getting whacked and and hit and and everything else um but no i i make them watch it all because you, you need the full full flavor of the film they need to build up to yeah the exactly so yeah i mean i i like the creativity on his part when he's like obviously trying to convince them that the house is occupied sure. i, I kind of like that stuff that's great I used it's, to uh, he's that. he's very yeah. what was the one <laughs> film again Yes, yeah, the one film that's playing on TV. I didn't realise they actually shot that scene. Oh, Angels with Four. Souls. That's the one, yeah. yeah. It didn't actually exist. And that, growing right. up, I thought, oh, that's an old film. They've used archive footage. <laughs> I used to say that to my mum, and she used to always tell me, no, it was made for the film, and even she knew that, because I think she must have recognised <laughs> an actor or something. It's just amazing. Okay. He's very ingenious. I mean, I know eight-year-olds have got quite a, a, a good imagination, but, I mean, this is off the scale, kind of, you know, ingenious ideas, especially when... Um, what they're called the the wet bandits decide yeah. that they're going to uh, um, break in and uh, try and steal all the goodies. But I guess one of the reasons why I chose the film was because it, it I, I do have I think I've seen this film so many times now, 
but it's still funny. Um, you you know the traps, you know what what's coming, but when you see it, um, it still makes you laugh, which which has got to say something about the way it was made um, and the um, the script. But can you remember some of the uh, the traps that he laid for the burglars? Um, I think probably my two favourite ones. I would probably say, I mean, you got to say the tarantula because yeah. of Daniel Stern's <laughs> yeah. like committed. I was going to bring Dan- Daniel Stern's, yeah, just amazing. But I think as well because it just kind of sums up the era. But when he uses micro sure. machines to, yeah. to trip them up, that's just like it screams nineties. You, you're a nineties yeah. kid. You're going to use micro machines. Yeah, but for me, because I'm a sadist and brutal, it has to be the ball balls underneath the window. Because <laughs> I'm like, balls, this film, yeah. yeah, this is a PG yeah. and it's hardcore. Sure. The film is hardcore at times, and I don't know, I don't think you would have that level of violence now in a PG film. I mean, it probably wouldn't be a PG anyway, because no. pretty much any film that's live action these days will be a twelve or up. But it's just, yeah. it's just so creative as well. It's just like, it's just Daniel Stern. It's just. Well, I think the, um, yeah, I mean, how, how they come up with the ideas, he, even like, you know, putting the tar on the floor, on the steps, and then putting the nail on it mm. for him to step on. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the big um, flame burner that um, torched his head. The list is endless, really, isn't it? Um, and the, you can't yeah. get the uh, shotgun shells under the uh, floorboards. Oh, no, that oh. was Skyfall. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> very funny uh, even to just making jo- Joe Pesci look like a chicken oh it was great yeah, yeah it's just brilliant and um, it, it's, it's still one of those films that um, when you you watch some of these old films back and you're like mm, A it doesn't um, it, it doesn't come back as good as I remember it sometimes when I watch an old film or there's subject matter in there. I think we discussed in the pilot, like some of the older films, there's subject matter in there that um, it maybe is a bit more of a taboo subject these days. But you, I feel, you know, very safe in the knowledge. You know, you, you watch mm. Home Alone, and like I say, it's it's so still so funny, and um, mm-hmm. th- there's nothing like that. So yeah, Home Alone would probably be my uh, my choice for this year. I, mean, I think for me it's an esteemed company as well because I mean after Die Hard I generally will say if you give me a Christmas film I will think Home mm-hmm. Alone yeah, it will it always just be screams the Christmas. next film and it yeah, feels Christmas I mean, as well like, when you watch it you just like you just feel this like well they, they even put the line in the song didn't they it's a gingerbread feeling that warm fuzzy amazing Christmas feeling where everything's just perfect a, in the end yeah just a da, 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 that music. I love that music so much. Oh, oh. Yeah, just, John Williams, just amazing. How yeah. they got him to do that, just, I just don't know, but it's just amazing soundtrack. Did you guys watch the um, episode of um, the movies that made us on Netflix about Home Alone? Yes. The production is, yeah. is way more fascinating than you it's, ever realised. Yeah. They, was it they uh, went to an old school, didn't they? Yeah. And didn't they build the neighbour's house in the, in the school pool? So they, yeah, flood so they it. flooded it. Yeah. <laughs> and they built it inside the, the swimming pool to flood the house. But you never once think that. It's just amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I didn't incredible know about that, no. And the fact that they, they, was it, they took the blueprints of the house that was the exterior, mm-hmm. measured it perfectly and built in the school gymnasium, the upper floor and the lower floor. Incredible. So they, so they could do tracking shots up the stairs. And, and it's just like, oh my God, they built a whole house <laughs> inside a school gymnasium. That mirrors the actual filming locations. Oh my god! 
But yeah, the movies that made this is an amazing little show. Like. And, you know, plus it's got John Candy in it, so it's um, it's always yeah. going to be uh, high up there. Ah, uh, go John. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a few um, interesting trivia about the film. Apparently John Candy improvised all his lines in this film, which okay. is quite surprising, I thought. Uh, many of the shots that focus on Kevin in the beginning of the movie are filmed from above his head, making him seem small and helpless. But okay. at the end of the movie, Kevin is mostly shot from below, making him seem taller and more confident. I hadn't ever noticed that. Wow. Okay. So there's uh, like a little trick of the trade, I guess, from the from the film's yeah um, ornaments on which Marv's, Marv steps on when he climbed in through the window. They were actually candy. Okay, oh, the old, that's the awesome. old, sugar, the old sugar glass mm-hmm. technique. So I always wondered mm-hmm. if he actually stood on them or not, but I'm thinking, mm, safety <laughs> at work and all that, I don't think they'd let him do that, really, would they? It's, I think it's the speed and the abruptness that he lands sure. on them. It's so shocking, isn't it? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you wonder, what, when they were filming that section of the film, yeah. how, how many times Joe Pesci and Daniel kind of, like, screamed... <laughs> yeah. For real, yeah. Uh, or how many takes they had to do uh, with certain certain parts of it. Joe Pesci would probably like going, oh, for God's sake, do I have to look like a chicken again? Do I have to walk through the feathers yeah. again? <laughs> really? Come on. I just love how they got Joe Pesci to do it. And I think he agreed, didn't he? Because he wanted his kids to be able to enjoy one of his <laughs> films without swearing and lewd acts sure. and murder and stuff like that. It's quite a contrast. But wasn't which, he, wasn't yeah. he in Goodfellas? Um, yeah. Which came out in came out this year as well so yeah it's quite a big contrast I guess isn't it but it's mm. like when Rich said you brought up the movies that made us I don't know if you've watched no I haven't person. actually I'm going to um, I'm going to um, find that after the show and uh, get it on my watch list they don't they yeah. interview um, the stunt doubles as well and they said we want Marvin Harry to land on their backs every single time yes I do and believe the, the stunt team had to revolutionise a way to literally cheat the laws of physics to land on their back because bodies don't necessarily land on the back because they instinctively turn around for uh, to brace yeah. themselves. Yeah, and I remember now. They, I can't remember that to literally force themselves to land on their backs, and it's just when you watch it back, it just looks so painful for the stunt doubles. And one that always gets me every Christmas, the same time is when Daniel Stern's stunt double walks through that door and he shuts it behind him in the basement, and he stands there, takes a deep breath, and you just hear this whoop, and he just goes over. It gets me every time, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's just a, such a stupid little yeah. moment but I think it's Daniel Stern's ADR that he adds to it it's just like yeah. it's just sublime he's, he's definitely got a way of uh, pulling a pulling a, a good face for these for that kind of stuff for pain <laughs> did, you, did you view guys um, ever own a talk boy uh, off the back no. of the films no, no. no? Okay. if I remember rightly wasn't it made for the film and then People were getting yeah. met, like mail and stuff saying, where can I get this? And I'm like, well, it doesn't actually exist. It was made by the prop department. What company, yeah, what they, company was it who made it in the end? It was Tiger. Um, and they actually fast-tracked was, a, a version. Yeah, they, they sold like God knows what. I mean, I, I got the uh, Talkboy pen, which was like the digital one. They had like, mm. you know, the voice recorder and sound effects. And obviously it was a working pen as well. But I never had the classic one from the first film. Always did want one, but... Nah, no, never that not. fortunate, unfortunately. You weren't good enough of a boy for Santa Claus to bring you on. No. 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 Um, my last uh, trivia for the film was uh, the pages on the Playboy magazine Kevin looked through were taped together so young Macaulay Culkin wouldn't see any nudity. <laughs> 
I just I just <laughs> thought they would do obscure yeah. I just thought they would do what they did in Back to the Future 2 and just like change the slipcase um, for like I don't know for like exactly. a Beano or something but apparently not and that that's quite a sad story really as well isn't it with uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin really in the end wasn't it yeah yeah I mean he seems to be doing okay these days I've seen him in a few things recently mm-hmm. yeah but well, it's just like yeah it's one of those downfalls isn't it like of young young movie stars and musicians and stuff they just get into these yeah. circles and find release in in drug and other abuses and it just spirals for them and, but by all accounts he, he looks clean now he doesn't look like a crack whore anymore <laughs> but, um, yeah. he divorced his parents didn't he which is um, yeah amazing. I think so and he's just yeah. come on strength for strength and didn't they do the other year like Kevin as a grown up did anyone ever see that yes that was good and yeah that was just insane <laughs> but he's poking fun at himself now and mm-hmm. it's it's great to see him actually come back and and be Macaulay Culkin again, an actual jobbing actor, which is obviously what he you know what he is. I think that's the trouble, especially that the young actors. It's the same for any any new person that breaks through, isn't it? It's like all of a sudden, just just so much stuff gets thrown your way, and you have so many just like opportunities open up for you that you, that wouldn't yeah, normally happen. Some of them good, most of them bad. I think it's like I think it's like overwhelmingly. St- like stimulating isn't it for someone at that age as well to have all of this literally mm-hmm. overnight and yeah definitely and I've known people who have been you know taking drugs and stuff but but it's a release for them and it then becomes a habit and then it becomes an addiction and it's a shame but just like for instance like it's imagine being like 8 or 12 and then being thrown as a superstardom almost overnight and got fan mail and you've got phone calls and you've got appearance Michael Jackson was hanging out with you just I could just you know he went there didn't he oh my god he went there <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to but I was ready yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> so was Michael Jackson it's all Michael Jackson's fault oh dear it was. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what really went on in the set, set uh, in the set of back, black and white video? Oh God! <laughs> Let's leave it there, shall we? Yeah, before we, uh, you know, get arrested. Anyway, I think we've put uh, Rich in uh, enough agony, mm-hmm. and um, we shall. Uh, release him if you like and um, let him discuss his film of 1990 and that film is rich I, uh, I've i actually forgotten what film oh, it was really? it's been oh, so dear. long um, it was yeah, Driving yeah. Miss Daisy wasn't um, it it was yeah so yeah um, yeah I'm actually kind of offended this film wasn't in the top 10 mm-hmm. because until uh, I think the Blair Witch Project this was the highest grossing independent film of all time well don't forget what um, i just read earlier was the uk uh box office i, I do believe true. in america well, it yeah. did better and and did break into the top 10 well that's all we need to know about us <laughs> country then. um yeah i'm gonna go with teenage mutant ninja turtles nice and good choice yeah, this film's a classic and i absolutely yep. love it it's aged very well and I, I don't remember when 
I picked up this film if it was the year of release but obviously at the time I was very much into the animated series and even at a young age of like seven or eight years old I really just latched onto the fact and appreciated that it looked grittier um I wasn't obviously someone that read the comic books so for me the turtles started as family friendly cute colorful and not at all you know I had no edge to them but this film from the moment I saw the poster for the first time and seeing them realized and this like the actual turtles and they were like tangible it just blew my mind and when I first watched this film I loved it it's so basically it's revolves around a crime wave that's sweeping through New York City and there's gangs of um young offenders basically um being recruited by the Foot Clan and uh Shredder and they're basically just stealing everything to fund this crime syndicate so they can get more and more power and there's lots of heavy themes in this film it's not one of these things that's just geared towards kids it's got themes based around loss um being reunited you know family you know relationships like you've got all the struggle between Leonardo and Raphael and Raphael was my favorite turtle growing up so one thing I loved about this film was how much of kind of a a central role he had in the film like he's his anger was a massive part of it and like from the fact that he was like April's favorite turtle to the bit when he got attacked by the foot and thrown through the glass ceiling me as a kid I was over the moon it was like everything I wanted from the cartoon I just wanted it to be about Raph because I loved Raph so much you was not a Michelangelo um, fan then like everybody nah, else I was never you know, Leonardo was lame uh, but <laughs> Mikey and Donnie at least were, Donatello did machines though eh? he did but I was always into Raph I mean in a cartoon Raph was kind of like the Chandler Bing of the group he just came sarcastic but <laughs> didn't perform he had, that way but I know right I know imagine all the Friends characters <laughs> as turtles oh, oh that's my god no. going on. could you be uh, <laughs> but it's um, could I be any yeah. more reptilian Gr- could I be any more green I don't know um, <laughs> but I um, yeah I just I, I love this film so much there's so many great moments in it like said, the rooftop fight, everything at the farmhouse with Raph recuperating in the bathtub. There's some generally moving scenes in it when the turtles are sitting around the campfire, and they're basically, I don't know how the best way to describe it, but when they realise that Splinter's still alive, and I'm just like, whew, it, it's. I don't know if it's a film that'll be made nowadays because as much as I actually kind of like the second new film. It is just loud Michael Bay trash. Mm. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of good stuff in the second film. I, I can't fault it. But yeah, this film has aged so well, I, I it, which is surprising because it should be one of those films that does look a bit creaky now. The the visual effects, I still think, are second to none. Oh, yes, stunning. you can see the eyes inside their mouths. But <laughs> yeah, but how are the actors um, going to see otherwise? <laughs> it's true. But that, yeah. that, I can't I can't blame the film. I blame the advent of HD. Um, yeah, and 4K. But, and, oh, I, don't even, uh, I don't even know how I want to watch that film. Um, yeah, I, I could just go on about this all day. I mean, I loved Elias Cortez as Casey Jones. I had a Judith Hogue crush. Based on Who didn't? Neil. Yeah, indeed. The, whoever she was in the second film was rubbish. Uh, no, it's in the third film. No, was it a different actress for the two sequels? Or was I don't it think she was even film? in. The, I don't even think she was in the third film. But yeah, the other, yeah, she wasn't in the third. I can't remember who was in the second. 
because it was no, it's, um, you, yeah, it was Hogan the first one. Then she didn't want to come back, so they recast. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Did she yeah, want to appear in the fourth one? It was a different actress. No, there's only three films, dude. Uh, um, fourth, I meant third. Sorry. I'm yeah, she, I know there was. Yeah. <laughs> I know the was other actress was in the third film. I think it must be the same actress in the second two films, mm. which I I don't really rate, and I have the controversial opinion that the third one's actually better than the second film because Kano is the most annoying person ever. Um, mm. But yeah, I I love the 1990 Tales film. I watched it probably last year, and it holds up. I mm. can't fault it. Um, was also the on-screen debut of a certain Sam Rockwell as well. Wow. Yes, it was. Recent yeah, Oscar winner, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, he was the one, he was in like the underground club thing where all the kids are hanging mm. out in the arcades. I think he's selling cigarettes, I do believe. But yeah, I, I love it. I love this film so, so much. Yeah, I think like the whole generation grew up watching this on, on VHS or taped off the TV at some point in the 90s. And, and just, oh. yeah. The Jim Henson workshops work on that those prosthetics and robotic puppet work is just amazing, second to none. Even like you said, even now, so well done. It's just I don't know. It's just again, like I said, for seven year old me, eight year old me, it just blew my mind how dark it was and like everything with the rooftop fight at the end and yeah. Shredder was genuinely terrifying. And I was, you know, was going to say that like you didn't have you know the Uncle Phil Shredder from the cartoon. You had this like <laughs> <laughs> you know. You had this like really physically imposing, scary, scary guy as a shredder, and it's just like, whoa, like this is insane. I mean, like, when proper... we were growing up, I think when we were growing up as kids in the eighties, like in the nineties, like every villain in the cartoon was like complete bell end. I mean, like Skeletor, yeah, just, a bit, was just a big, a big drawn character, a comic, comic relief yet villainous character. Yeah, Shredder was useless. Um, Cobra Commander was useless. They're all just twats, basically. Mm. But then you shred her in a film, just like a force of nature. It just genuinely terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm done. You guys. Um, <laughs> the actress that played April O'Neil in the second one was Paige Turo. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Their name seems familiar. Yeah. What What did they yeah. change the actress? Do you know? Was it just because the. Um, I- I think she just didn't want to come back, if I remember reading yeah. rightly, didn't she? She just didn't want to do the second one, or she'd moved on, or... can't really remember. But um, what you were saying there, though, Rich, about how dark it was, I mean, it, it, it was very uh, probably not expected, really, considering like the, the source material, if you like, of the, of, of the cartoon. But were you... Yeah, I mean, obviously... Yeah, so the comics, obviously, yeah, it followed on more. It drew more from the comics. Yeah. It was obviously a, a softer version of the comics, but it was a much mm. heavier version of the cartoon. So. It was like the transition from but Teenage you... Mutant Hero Turtles to Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but was, yeah. Wasn't the tagline for the film said, this ain't no cartoon, wasn't it? Um, sure I remember that being on I the poster. I thought something else. I always remember Lean, was it? Was it like Lean Green and on the big screen, or Mean Green and on the big screen? I, I remember, I remember that one, but I think you were right as well. I feel like that was. Because I'm pretty sure I I owned the novelization, you know those like like pan books or whatever you get as a kid. Yeah. And the 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 actual front, I I don't even know if I have still got it. I might be in a box somewhere. And it was the the poster, the teaser poster, where there's like you can see their eyes through the sewer, and one of the hands lifting the sewer lid up. That. Oh, I love that poster. I've got it. And I'm sure I've got it, it says, in front of me right now, and Bad. and the tagline is "Hey, dude, 
this is no cartoon. But oh, then, it, but then it says at the bottom, <coughs> lean green, and on the screen, everywhere. Ah, so both. <laughs> we both get a point. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think that's uh, three excellent movies uh, from the from the time. I mean, it's very hard, like you say. I mean, there are so many great films that came out in the nineties, and mm-hmm. some. I think there was one film that I saw when I was looking back, and that was uh, Nuns on the Run. Can you guys remember that film? What? Eric Cartman, Robbie Coltrane. Obviously, you can. <laughs> I, I haven't it seen once. it in years. I don't once think I even remember four. the last time I saw that. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can yeah. slightly remember it, but I don't know. It was just like a, a real big hit of nostalgia. Remember, remembering not not thinking, not even thinking about that film for. So many years, and then just to see that, just sitting there, yeah, it was it was a blast. Yeah, I I, I can't even remember if I've even seen it all the way through. Just I don't think I don't even think I have. And what was your what was your honourable mention, Chris? I was Back oh, to okay. Future Part Three because it's Back to Future Part Three, yeah. and it'd be a miss if we didn't mention it in a nineteen ninety. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, it's the end of the of a mighty trilogy, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, ended with a western. Speaking of honourable mentions, I've got one honourable mm-hmm. mention. Is it it's Kindergarten probably... Cop? No, no, no. This won't be really on anyone's radar, I don't think, but it, it would be the 1990 um, Tom Savini um, remake of Night of the Living Dead, which is a magnificent film and, to me personally, superior to the original. Um, basically, a bit of a fascinating um, story behind this film was that when George Romero directed the original like, Night of the Living Dead, they didn't put a copyright on it. So basically... I think I heard about this from somewhere. Yeah. So literally, anyone can release this film. I could release this film on DVD if I wanted to make money. And because no one made money on it, they decided to go back and remake it like 22 years later. Um, they hired a lot of the original crew just so everyone got a payday so basically they could make money on it and Tom Savini was like George Romero's visual effects guy at the time and I don't think I think this was the first time he actually directed a feature film but it's it, it's fantastic it swaps the whole like um, civil rights message of you know you had your black lead in the original and it goes more for like a female empowerment route i mean this is around the time where you had characters like you know ripley were just kind of all over the big screen um and it, it, it's just an amazing film and visual effects are just second to none um and yeah brilliant brilliant zombie film and i'm i'm a zombie diehard so yeah how how much of diehard Oh, I've met George Romero. I've. <laughs> I remember that um, picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I was hand on my heart. I cried after I met him. Uh, <laughs> was that the, that was that the Comic Con we went to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had I had to take some time to myself before I met up with you guys again because I just had a proper cry. <laughs> just like yeah, I couldn't help it. I was just like I'm, I'm so freaking emotional. Um, well, it's a big one, you know. It's, yeah. a, it's a big moment. Did you did you get to yeah. shake his hand? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Put my mm. arm around him. Oh, I'm looking at a picture oh. of him right now. Just like me and him yeah. on the wall. Just like, uh, yeah. Because that so. was the. Uh, I think I got a picture with Summer Glau, didn't I? Nice. <laughs> From Firefly. Yeah. And he was, was way happier to pose with me than she was to pose with you. Was that? that I can't, I'm trying to remember because you went to one that I didn't, didn't you? Anyone uh, ever did? One? Nah, nah. One we did that one. Me and Dan. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. That was um, we Somebody's went to the same just... one. 
Just remember you going to a different one for some reason. Might just be nah. randomly yeah. in my head. Nah. Uh, there's a couple of just other films I want to just slightly touch upon before we we move on, and I wanted to mention Tremors because that's that's quite oh. a cult classic film now these days, isn't it? Fantastic. Just just the whole uh, story wise of it, it's just just brilliant, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, Chris, have you got it. any? Sorry, go on. No, so I think it's one of the reasons I, I won't touch upon it too much, but why I love the last episode of The Mandalorian, because it's basically sure. a, a Tremors <laughs> remake. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I love that film so much. It's so tense, and, um, and Kevin Bacon's fantastic. Sure. You've got... I forget the other guy now. What's the other actor? Um, Fred Will... Fred... Um, come on, Chris. You can help me with this one. Um, um, we're about Tremors, aren't we? Uh, Fred, Fred Willard? That's it. Fred Willard? That doesn't yeah. ring a bell at all. I don't know. I'm making names up. Anyway, go on, Chris. What's your memories on uh, Tremors? <laughs> Tremors, actually, it just, just, I think it's just like, you know, it's just fun, isn't it? Big worms. It's just like, you know. I think it was. It's like Beetlejuice, but without yeah. the ghosts. I mean, it was a. It's like big sandworms. And... <laughs> it was um, like a small town, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. that, when the, yeah, yeah, just small redneck yeah. community <laughs> just gets hit by these yeah. giant worms. I think that always makes it more. Um, I don't know that whole setting of like a small town. They, you know, they all know each other, and then they're all just starting getting plagued by all these giant worms. Yeah, it's just. Um, I, th- I think that just setting just just helps the movie keep its cultness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like a million of those films as well, isn't it? There's like so many director videos. <laughs> it's, like video, yeah. it's, like the, it's like the Land Before Time now, basically. It's like 19 yeah. of them. Uh, <laughs> the beauty of 1990s director VHS films, yeah. eh? That, that's a special episode right there, I feel. Um, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Tremors for years. And that was, again, that was Corey Feldman trying to shed his. Uh... Was it Corey Feldman in that? Uh. N- don't think so. Who am I thinking? Might be wrong. I'm positive it wasn't, but anyway. Yeah. Tremors 2 was good. I'm not going to lie. I again, liked I haven't it. seen that in ages. And the um, Graboids got legs. <laughs> <laughs> they were cute. I liked it. They were funny. Next you know, you're going to tell me you like arachnophobia. I'm assuming that's the next one because I'm thinking about arachnophobia. <laughs> you? you read my mind. Yes, I was. Now, I hate spiders, but I love that film. See, this is what I mean. I hate spiders. They literally put the fear into me. But me and Rich went to see Eight Legged Freaks. Oh, I love that film. Love it. Such a brilliant film. And I remember someone saying to me, like, but you're petrified of yeah. spiders. I was like, yeah, they're not in the same room as me. And they're obviously fake mm. on the screen. So they don't want to bother me. No, no <laughs> at not all. at all. It's just fun. I just remember arachnophobia being quite fun as well. Again, another film I haven't seen in probably about 20 no, years. No, it's, it's not one that's on, uh, <laughs> on um, I don't know, TV syndication, is it? You know, when Christmas rolls around and they've got all the films on. <laughs> Arachnophobia <laughs> just doesn't seem to be one of them. No. Like Christmas, a Christmas Eve film up for the news. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Maybe this is yeah. the year. It, it, it would make sense, yeah, 2020. <laughs> Why not? Anything goes in 2020, right? <laughs> well, it's Friday the thirteenth tomorrow. So, oh gosh, uh, it is. Best oh. stay in bed. Friday the thirteenth. This, this episode's not frozen in time. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's hope Friday not. the thirteenth in twenty twenty. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, one. Hold my beer. <laughs> uh, one last film I just wanted to touch upon, um, and that was um, Flatliners, which also came out yeah. in this year. I don't know if you two have got any memories of that film. I, I've seen it, it once. Yeah, many same. years ago. Didn't they recently remake it as well? 
They did, yes. Not seen mm. it, but I know there was a remake. Um, I watched, yeah, I watched this film once. I think it was one of those random films I taped off TV once. I don't know why, but I did. Can't remember it leaving much of an impression on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Julia Roberts, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, Keith Sutherland, yeah. wasn't it? Also. Oh, yeah. Go Keith. That's why I chose it. It's got Keith in it. Cool. Um, well, we'll leave it there. Um, you two got anything else you want to talk about with movies? Ooh. Um... I'm thinking, Chris. Um, yeah, this is going to be a really random question. Has any of you two ever seen Joy Boys versus the Volcano? No, no. actually. No, I kind of missed that no. one by because yeah, that's Hank, yeah, Tom right? Hanks. Yeah, and Meg Ryan. Yeah, it's just again, it was one of those films that I watched a couple of times growing up, probably due to my mum or whatever. Or it just happened to be on. And that's a typical you know bank holiday movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and you've got Meg Ryan playing three different roles, and it's just it's if you can if you can watch it, it's just one of those real kind of like you know feel good kind of Meg Ryan Tom Hanks early ones, and it's just it's interesting, and Meg Ryan playing multiple parts and stuff like that, and it's just it's a very interesting concept. But what what was it about? <laughs> Basically, a, a guy comes up to this other guy who's Tom Hanks and says, you know, with your brain scans, there's some sort of like brain cloud or something. Okay. And to go in for tests and stuff like that and convinces Tom Hanks that, you know, he's got a certain amount of time to live or whatever. So. Oh, okay. That actually sounds quite and good. To, and Yeah, and then he travels to this um, faraway, probably fictional island. If I, I honestly haven't seen it in so long. It just it popped into my head when I was doing research. And, yeah, he goes to this faraway island and keeps meeting this girl. Obviously all different characters, but played by Meg Ryan or all different characters. But it's never stated. Obviously, it's not the same person. It's just a multiple role kind of setup. That kind of unique thing that you can do in film, and it's like three or four kind of, kind of like fringing on love interests for this Tom Hanks character. And then he gets to this volcano, and he has to, you know, obviously legend says you have to, you know, throw yourself into the volcano and stuff like that. And he doesn't in the end, obviously. But it's it's just a very interesting film that I remember watching very randomly watching when I was younger and it just bits is sort of still in there and stuff like that hmm it's just yeah a bit of random yeah. uh, uh, well you started it sounded like it was going off on like some kind of um, journey of um, um, mental struggle if you like and then because I always had the impression he just went to an island and then you said that um, and then just kind of like I don't know Joe versus the volcano I thought yeah, you just be- yeah. Had a fight with a volcano or something. I don't know. <laughs> it could be read in very many ways. You know, mental health struggles, or or the whole classic finding yourself before you die kind of struggle. And again, again, I might need to watch it again because I haven't seen it in again probably twenty mm-hmm. years. I think I just caught it randomly on TV one night and rolled with it because I only had like you know three other channels to choose from. Sure. There's football on the other two. So. <laughs> but I mean, this was this was the time when Hanks was was really getting going really wasn't it oh. you know after his success yeah, yeah late 80s early 90s yeah because yeah. um, I think he also had Turner and Hooch out in this year as well um, which yeah. I have seen and that is a awesome film uh, especially when the dog rips up all his uh, sofa <laughs> brilliant and the slobber for some reason never forget the slobber yeah, as a kid watching it as a kid for some reason the only bit that sticks into my head of that film is I won't spoil the end for anyone who hasn't seen it. Oh, don't. But it's the bit in the car when they're doing the stakeout and 
he looks to the dog and says, what's the, what, what, you know, all that drivel? He, he swallowed a pair of tennis shoes or something. And for some reason, as a kid, that joke stuck with me. I don't know why. It's amazing what sticks in your head and mm. still there to this day. <laughs> um, so the, again, I haven't seen that film in oh, five, maybe long, five years longer. Mm. It's been a long time, could not it? Yep, but um, ask what my wife said to me five minutes ago and I wouldn't have a clue. No, deleted it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's been raised. Lovely. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, thank you guys. Um, I've had a great time uh, reminiscing about these films. And I also want to say thanks to you, Rich, as well, because I just want to mention that the artwork that's done for the, for the show is, is all done by your fair hands. So I just want to get the credit out to you for that, Rich. So thank you for doing that. That's all right. Um, I mean, he, uh, he also kind of chose the, the, the name of the... He came up with the idea of the name for the show as well. So I also want to say thank you for that too, Rich. Well done. Um, I feel like it's your show. No? It's done. <laughs> yeah, nice one, dude. Like Ray said, it just popped right yeah. in there, you know. Yeah, and when you, when you suggested it to me, it was, um, it was like, yeah, actually, that is... Uh, that that that's great. I mean, the only other one, this one that I came up with was uh, get the net. Um, I don't know if you have, know where that <laughs> reference is from, Chris. I'm pr- I can't, can't place it. Know, right? If you, I guarantee, if you, you know say this. it to me, I'll be like, oh, for God's sake, and it'll pop Should straight. Give him clues. Make a game out of this. <laughs> I know, right? Mike Myers. Yeah. Come on. Schwing. Oh, really, Wayne World. Mm-hmm. Austin, Austin Powers. <laughs> What? Austin? What? I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, what the hell is going on? So in the, US, the, the US election, all I could think about was every time I came up with Delaware was that scene in my world. It's the only thing I could think about. Oh, Hi, we're in Delaware. In the just blank stare to the camera. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to talk about that one. That's uh, definitely going to be a choice. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I love that was, it. I've watched that film so many yeah. times. <sighs> um, and I just want to say thank you to the listeners. Um, for, for anybody that's, you know, actually downloaded it and listened, uh, very grateful. Uh, thank you very much for spending your time listening to us uh, ramble on about movies. And um, I hope you continue, really. Uh, it's been, it's been qu- um, quite nice, the pilot. It, was, it was, came out quite good numbers, really, that we were expecting, really, wasn't it? So... Yeah, yeah, yeah so um, yeah, big thank you to that. If uh, next episode will be concentrating on the TVs of 1990, I feel that's going to be quite a busy show because there was loads, especially from the uh, the British scene, but which I, I kind of remember more so than the American shows. But mm. we we can we can ramble on about that on the next show. So yeah, all all that's left to say is uh, thank you very much, guys. I don't know if you've got any um, um, sign-offs. Uh, I guess uh, Chris, where where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Hughes nineteen eighty four. Lovely. And Richard, where can the fine fellows find you if they want to uh, abuse you on Twitter? Excuse me. Um, <laughs> you can abuse me at Dreamcast Barber on Twitter. Brilliant. And you can find me at Gamer Jason UK. Or you can find the uh, the podcast at Wolfie Pod, and please feel free to um, tell us what you think. Um, any cons- constructive criticism is always welcome. Um, or if you just want to ramble on about anything nineties to us, I'm sure we'll be very happy to discuss those. All that's left to say is, uh, 
yeah, thank you very much again. And we will catch you next time. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine